We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. And now, now, prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast, Podcast. with host A. Trunk. Welcome, folks. It's Eddie Trunk, and this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast, new every Thursday Anywhere you get your podcast, thank you for listening and subscribing. Much appreciated. Bringing you newsmaking interviews with your favorite rock and metal artists each and every Thursday. Totally free. Download, stream them, grab them whenever you want. Hope you're doing well as uh, we get closer and closer now to the holidays with Christmas and New Year's just around the corner. And uh, I got a great one for you. Going to bring you a couple interviews that originated on my SiriusXM show, like every interview, Trunk Nation which is live Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 Eastern on volume, Sirius XM Channel 106, nightly re-airs 10 to midnight Eastern, anything you want, anytime you want, Sirius XM app, as I tell you all the time, tiny fraction of what I do on a daily basis here on the podcast. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, not already listening, please join me daily on Sirius XM for Trunk Nation. The interviews I have for you this week both happened when I was in Los Angeles, uh, they're both on the phone, so location, not really an issue here, but one of them was pretty significant at the time that it happened. And it's the first one I'm going to bring you this week. And it's with David Ellison, the now former bassist of Megadeth. Uh, we know that David lost his job in Megadeth because of some sexually explicit video that leaked. And it's a well-documented story. Uh, what happened with David and what ended up costing him his gig in Megadeth. David Ellison laid low about that for quite a while until he decided, guess it was about a couple months ago, to do an interview with me and was honest about everything and exactly was open about talking about everything. David and I have known each other for decades and he has been on my show many, many times over the years for a variety of different bands that he has been a part of. And 
He has a new band now called The Lucid, which he was promoting. And he reached out to me about it. And I told him, I said, look, I, I can't have you on without being willing to talk about everything that just happened. I know it's a difficult thing, but obviously I need to do my job and we need to address this stuff. And when you're ready, come on and let's talk about it. And he was willing to talk about it in the interview you are about to hear. And it was the first time he talked about it publicly and in the media and addressed everything that happened. So it's a revealing interview. It's a candid interview. David stood up, took the questions, didn't give me any conditions about what I could and couldn't ask. And you will hear his response and you will make of it what you will after hearing the interview if you have not heard it when it originally aired on the radio. Also, we talk about his new band, which, of course, was the priority of what he was promoting, The Lucid. On the same day, I also had an interview with Jason Bonham, son of late Zeppelin legend John Bonham. Jason has also been on my shows many times over the decades, also plays in Sammy Hagar's band, The Circle. And he, at the time we did this, had just gotten started with his latest Led Zeppelin Experience tour. As a matter of fact, when you hear this audio, you'll hear me discover that Jason was playing in L.A. that night, and I did end up going to see him. I had no idea when we started talking that I was in L.A. and he was in L.A. So two interviews from about, I don't know, six, eight weeks ago, but still some good stuff in here and worth listening to. Here is former Megadeth bassist David Ellison. We're going to welcome in an old friend to the show who uh, has been nice enough to join us and share some time with us and discuss uh, a lot of different things. David Ellison, who... Strange to say, former bassist of Megadeth once again uh, joins me right now. David, in the time that I've known you, which has been many, many decades, you have been the Megadeth bassist, the former bassist, the bassist again, now the former bassist. How you doing, man? How you holding up? Uh, how are you, Eddie, man? Thanks for thanks for having me on. You know, I'm doing well. I'm doing really well, actually. I, uh, As you know, you've been done a few of these uh, horror conventions, comic con stuff. I actually just did one up in uh, Fort Wayne this last weekend, uh, which was fun to just be out seeing everybody. And, um, you know, we got this record uh, that I did uh, called The Lucid that just came out last week, and our little horror movie Dwellers came out last week. So, ironically, it has been a very busy little season here. So, um, I'm doing well. Well, I want to talk to you about the movie. I want to talk to you about the Lucid. I want to talk to you about a lot of things, but you and I both know I would not be doing my job if I didn't talk to you about, you know, what led to you being a uh, once again former bassist in Megadeth. And you know, David, when when everything went down, uh you as you know, I reached out to you personally and I'm sure many other people did as well. We were thinking of you and I know it probably had a feel like the world was caving in on you there at, at that time. But I want to give you the opportunity to say to the fans and and to the audience, you know, because I'm sure like anything, there's a lot of misinformation that comes out about things. What would you like to say as far as a statement? I know you released one at the time, but about what what happened and what went down and, and what was leaked out, what would you like to say in terms of addressing that? Well, you know, look, I, I ran toward the bullets and dealt with it right away. You know, the night it happened, you know, some couple people said, hey, don't say anything. Uh, in particular, the Megadeth camp didn't want me to say anything. But, you know, my legal today, I think you should say something. You know, I think uh, some people have done some really 
you know, shitty things here and uh, made some false allegations about you and you have every right to defend yourself. And I did. And, um, you know, ultimately that led to my dismissal from Megadeth. Um, and, uh, but I have every right as anyone does to, you know, to defend yourself, especially when somebody is making, you know, false allegations about you like that. So, you know, I dealt with it that night and quite honestly, that was it. It was over and it was really kind of done because, um, you know, but then, you know, as, as, uh, you know, you know, I think, you know, the Megadeth camp in particular jumped in and, you know, had, had addressed it and not that they shouldn't, um, but they, they did. And, um, you know, that's, you know, pretty quickly led to them making a decision to part ways with me and, and, um, and to move away from it. You know, there's obviously the tour that they just did the metal tour of the year coming up. And, um, I think, you know, we, we had originally talked about, you know, doing a joint statement of sorts. And of course that was not how what happened. And, uh, so I look, I was disappointed in, in probably the way it went down, but, um, um, you know, look, as, things go, you know, like you said, I've been in Megadeth, I've been out of Megadeth, you know, I remember sitting Midtown with you before, you know, 20 years ago, you know, having these discussions and, and, you know, now I'm, you know, a uh, formally of, um, I have ironically, you know, things are fine between us, you know, we, we parted ways and, you know, they, they took their road and, and, um, there's not ill will between us, believe it or not. And I think any, fights and those things you know that was 20 years ago and you know lawsuits and all that crap but you know honestly look they move forward on the tour um i wish them well in my statement to them and and i and i mean it you know it's it's a group i helped form almost 40 years coming up here for the band and um you know the the songs that are on the radio, ironically, on Sirius, half the time you know that i see come up are songs that i had a participation in and you know, we built a big legacy and, you know, we're, I still consider them family and, and, you know, my DNA is all over that. And, and I, I don't think you build something of that size together and then suddenly you're just out and that's, that's it. So um, I think, you know, ultimately kind of cooler heads prevailed and everybody's moved on. And, and I took some time, you know, to just chill out. I mean, you know, you, had, you and I've had many interviews recently in the last couple of years, you know, and I've been, pretty much go 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 you know between the record label and coffee and oh yeah solo things and things that i've done and and you know at some point you know this probably was a necessary season for me to just just slow down go off the grid relax um and you know spend time at home with my family recorrect some just kind of lifestyle things for me you know and and so that's been a good season for me to do that and um you know, we always had planned for this Lucid record and the Dwellers movie to come out here in October, so we just stayed the course with that. And you know, so this is last month has been kind of just sort of you know slowly coming back online again and let everybody know, look, I'm okay, Megadeth's okay, everything's okay, you know. And um, um, you know, so I think that's important. You know, there are no fights, there is no ill will. Everybody's just moved on, and and you know, maybe that's just you know, look, we're all a little older, we just get on with our lives and we move into the next season of our lives. Yeah. So yeah. Look, I mean, I, I used to, you know? I used to joke with you when you did come on uh, so much with me, whether it was coffee or booze or whatever, you know, is this a different band mm -hmm. or a record or a CD or whatever? Cause I used to joke and say, you're, you're the hardest working man in metal and you were, and you were, you right. were going nonstop there. And, and so there's that side of it. There's the Megadeth side of it, but for, mm -hmm. for you, you know, 
as as far as the actual uh you you said you had to i'm sure you know with all of this you had to deal with some stuff on the home front you had some i'm sure you acknowledge that you made a mistake here people make mistakes in the big picture of the music industry people have done far 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 worse things but i imagine that you had a time and that's one of the reasons why i reached out to you very early on uh, privately and i know others did as well because we were worried about you you know we i i think and that probably you know did you get a lot of that i mean i know that it must have felt like you're, the walls were coming in at some point because that's the nature of the world we're in now people sort of you know i call it pounce society people so, see somebody make a mistake or a vulnerability or do something they probably regretted doing and then just everyone wants to come down on them and some people handle that and manage it pretty well and it, it from the outside it looks like you did others don't and it, it could be catastrophic so can you talk a little bit about that when, when this all broke how you handled it because it did until megadeth let you go it did go away pretty quickly and it did seem like it moved on pretty quickly i'm sure internally and with your family and and personally you were still dealing with a lot of stuff but the external seemed to go quiet pretty quick yeah, it, it did because there was really nothing there. You know what I mean? And it, and it, and it did go away. And, and, and listen, you're right. Look, I, I was flying pretty high, pretty fast at a high altitude and hit some turbulence, no doubt. You know what I mean? So, um, and people reminded me, say, hey, listen, dude, we're all human. We all make mistakes, man. Especially, you know, even more so in rock and roll and, and it's all of that. And, um, and, and you and yes, thank you, by the way, for reaching out to me because you did ping me on the text and, and it was just, a, it was just be between two buddies. And I, and thank you for that. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, man. I want to make sure you're of, okay. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of other musicians, industry people, rock stars from the smallest to the absolute biggest reached out to me. You know, everybody was like, Hey brother, are you okay? Anything you need from me, let me know. And it was very, very supportive from everybody. Um, you know, it's, uh, which was which was great because you know everyone's at your side when you're picking up your Grammy and you're on the red carpet and everything's going right. great. But you know it's sort of like you know the greater judge of character is you know who are you who am I when we're kind of at our bottom <laughs> when we're at our when we've when we've shown some real humanness you know and and this was a moment where I, I'm happy to say people really rallied around me and and you're right Eddie I mean. I've gone through, you know, a few dark seasons in my life uh, over the years, as we all do, you know, uh, drugs and alcohol, in and out of Megadeth 20 years ago. Things happen, you know, things go down. And, you know, um, th this was a dark one, I'm not going to lie, just because of, I think, the sort of nature of, of um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There were some bullies for sure, <laughs> you know that that you know come at you, and you're like, whoa, what the, what is this? And 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 who am David, I? David, let me let me oh, jump. You, let me let, yeah, let me jump in real quick here because I want to ask you this: What was from what when this was all at its peak going down, and and the fallout from it? I know one of the st the things you wanted to put out was this a misconception because I had never even heard the term grooming or any of that. But what was the biggest misconception about all of it? What was the biggest narrative you were hearing out there that was just that that you wanted put in it? You know, you you wanted to set the record straight on. Well, that was one, and that's why I came right out and said, "Hey, that's fucking bullshit." You know, I didn't even know what that word was either. I have no idea. I had no idea. You know, but. 
Right. Um, and, and and any any allegations of any illegal, you know, anything being illegal. And there was nothing. And again, that's why I immediately hired a criminal lawyer. I went right to the police department. And just for the record, the the bad guy doesn't go to the police department. Okay. So just to be clear. The guy who didn't do anything wrong, he goes to the police department. That's why I went to the police department and filed a, you know, filed the police report and, and let them, you know, let them deal with it. And, you know, I think there was a big fear of, you know, there's this always this talk of cancel culture and all this stuff. And it's like I was like, listen, you know, that was not me. And and I had every right to, to stand up against that and defend myself against it. And, you know, I, I just turned that over to, you know, the lawyers and police department and let them deal with it. And they did. And, um, you know, and, and I think, look, look, certainly time heals wounds in these things, which is good. Um, and I, you know, that was, that was the thing. It's like, look, I didn't do anything wrong. There was no, nothing illegal here. And, and you just, you, you let it go. And, and for me to just kind of take some time away and go dark, I, you know, look, I got off all social media. I, I have one Facebook account that I don't even run just for, you know, kind of professional purposes and everything, but I, I, am off of that. And, um, and that, and I think that helps, you know, a lot of this social media stuff, you know, Eddie, cause it's the world we live in, you know, there aren't record company publicists, there aren't people, you know, you know, doing this stuff anymore. And in a, in a day that you and I grew up in the record business. Right. And so a lot of this stuff has been put in the hands of individual musicians, celebrities, people on social media and uh and a lot of those platforms encourage it they're like hey you have to be engaged with your fans you have to always be posting something you always have to be doing something and 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 i realize now being away from all that now for six months is like you don't you don't have to be doing that um you can have a, a a private life you don't have to be just always pushing content out there because quite honestly that's where the problems lie you know and that's where uh, that culture lies where, you know, they can, people can just come at you with stuff. And, and so the first thing I did was just get off of it and get away from it because that, that was, I think the first step toward, you know, correct, a, a corrective course and also healing, you know what I mean? It's, I mean, you know, you can put anything up on social media and, you know, Tuesday morning, they love you. And by Tuesday afternoon, they hate you, you know, and they're, oh, yeah. Their I mean, yeah, you gotta know. You, know. Yeah. I mean, that's why, I mean, I, I've never, and my social media and I, and the vast majority of the people that follow me on it are great people, but yeah, I, I, that's why I, a long time ago got out of the whole, you know, worrying about or dealing with comments or any of that stuff. And, but it's a valuable tool to let people know what's going on when you're in the end of the business we're in, in entertainment, you know, what's going on with my radio show every day, but I've never, I rarely if ever put per, more personal stuff up there because you're right it opens a door to people and it's it could be a it could be a cesspool in certain times and also the the spread of a lot of disinformation which is why i wanted to give you the opportunity here today to address any misinformation that might have been out there about this whole thing because you know we know i mean look i'm in i'm today i'm, I'm broadcasting from hollywood california i mean the amount of crazy shit that goes on <laughs> you know in the entertainment industry is insane so you know I, I again i know it was a very difficult thing for you and i imagine it was difficult with the family and 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 i know you're a man of faith and all that I, i'm sure that all had to be squared but in the big picture uh again you didn't do anything illegal people could question it morally all they wanted to but you didn't do anything illegal. And to me, it seemed like that was what you really wanted to get out ahead of. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the illegality would be with the person who actually leaked that video, right? 
hundred percent. Yeah. That's why, again, that's why I, I didn't hire a, a civil lawyer to sue people for a million bucks. I hired a criminal lawyer, you know, and what they do is prosecute to put people in jail, you know, cause, cause the, yeah, those are the crimes you can't just go do shit like that, put stuff out there contents and, and not have a penalty. You know what I mean? Like, like that is the crime. And I think people just think they can, and I'm not everybody, I'm not saying all people, but, you know, there is a faction that they just think that that can be just done as a joke and for fun, and, and it can't. And, um, you know, the, you know, of course, it's the Internet, you know what I mean? So people live in foreign countries, there's all this stuff. And, you know, I, the, that's why, you know, the, the best thing, I think, is to look, first of all, just get away from those platforms, because that is a breeding ground for that society to, to do that, you know, and, um, you know, look, one of the other ones too, I think, you know, you brought up the thing about morality and, and that, you know, I think the other one is this misconception that, that I'm a pastor. I am not a pastor. You know, I did a year of seminary, um, and they made it real clear. If you are going to continue in seminary, you need to quit Megadeth. So I quit seminary to be in Megadeth. And I remember telling my mom that when she was still alive, God rest her soul. I, I said, Hey, I, withdrew out of seminary in good standing, you know, to continue being in Megadeth. And she was actually very disappointed. She's like, you know what? Megadeth is holding you back. That's too bad. You should have stayed in seminary. Turns out maybe I should have listened to my mom. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, of course, mom wants the best for you, you know. Um, and, um, you know, you know, who knows? Whatever. You know, I'm, I'm a rock and roller, man. You know, I'm a founding member of Megadeth. It's who I am. It's what I do. It's, it's part of my life. It's part of my, you know, it's just part of my existence. So, I have no regrets about any of that, but, you know, I think that was a misconception. You know, people started throwing that around. Um, and so again, I've never been an ordained pastor. Yes, I did explore that world for a time, but, um, you know, that, uh, I, I, but again, again, David, if we're being honest here, let's be honest. I mean, and I know you're a man of faith and I respect that, but the bottom line is you, we also know, even if you were in that world, what what this wouldn't have been a shocking thing from anybody, whether it's the bass player in Megadeth or anything, because we all know that that's been a, a thing in that end of the world as well. So, well, yeah, and I guess, you know, that's the kind of thing. It's almost like you're this, this entity that's floating up toward the heavens, like, oh, he's such a wonderful man. He's a man of faith. He's got his family. And then this happens. It's like, what the hell is this? I mean, look, <laughs> admittedly, I've sort of trained the public, you know, to think that I'm more of one of the more well-behaved rock stars out there and for the most part i have been you know what i mean but at the same time and this isn't to 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 claim anything other than just oops you know sorry about that you know uh shit happened so um that is what it is you know and um i i I think sometimes there becomes this i mean let's face it you, you interview a lot of rock stars right so there's there's some you just keep the bar low it's, it's almost what you would expect, you know, in my case, um, you know, having, and, and it kind of happened in the season that I was away from Megadeth, quite honestly, in, in the 2000s, you know, I got involved in other things in church and raising my family and, you know, blah, 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 these things. And, and so by nature, I kind of became more of a kind of a suburban homebody, you know, uh, the dad guy, you know, and then I went back to Megadeth in 2010 and, you know, the thing is, is to try to, you know, reconcile that you're not one guy at home, another guy in the road, that you're the same guy. And I think that I think for anybody who spent any time on the road, whether you're a rock star 
a traveling salesman or whoever you may be, you know, that is, that is the challenge. And, and it's a real challenge, you know, um, to keep, keep your life in order when every day your toothbrush is in a new zip code. Mm, yeah, no doubt. Uh, last thing, because I know we want to talk about the band and the music. And again, I appreciate you being so open about everything and discussing all of this. I, I imagine the the most difficult part of all this, I would imagine, was kind of reconciling things with the family. I mean, I imagine the band and the, the, the that all not, not so much. I mean, yes, it sucks that you lost the gig, but... I imagine you're trying to, to, to the, the family supportive or understanding, or was it rough sledding there? How did you frame that at home? You know, look, supportive, understanding, not so supportive, not so understanding. I right. mean, look, dad's in a rock band, you know, dad, and not just any band, Megadeth. I mean, let's face it. It's, uh, you know, we've been a band with a, with a history and this isn't to discolor or paint anything on the current Megadeth at all, because, it's obviously not, you know, today in 2021 is not the way it was in 1986, you know, but there's a reason we had a behind the music, you know, um, and, you know, look, I've tried to be very transparent, you know, and, and, and I think we kind of did in that band over the years, you know, we were very transparent in things um, when things happened in our personal lives when things happened, you know, in the group, we were always pretty open about it. Um, and, you know, I've talked open about, you know, getting clean from drugs and booze years ago and, and all of these things. So, you know, it, it's, um, you know, on, on, on the home life again, look, you know, they've, you know, I, I was in Megadeth just to start and then, you know, the families come after and, you know, and again, I think there is a reconciling of that, of the lifestyles, you know, that it's like, okay, dad's off at the circus, you know, being, uh, being the rock and roll guy and, and all that comes with that, including, you know, a very comfortable life that affords you opportunities you would not get in any other life, you know. Um, at the same time, certainly doesn't give license to, you know, go out and misbehave. So I think, you know, there is that. And, again, that's probably you and me just talking as as husbands and fathers and all that we are, you know, in, 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 in a showbiz lifestyle, you know. Um, and that's that 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 again that's just the reality of 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 that and and we've seen a lot of our friends you know successful with it struggles with it et cetera et cetera and you know it's i remember ace fraley years ago and this isn't to discount it at all but i remember there's a quote from ace our beloved friend ace you know he said drugs and girls are an occupational hazard you know and i remember reading that when i was a kid and i didn't understand it at that time you know and then later in life i would understand it that it's like wow with every he job. knows that better than um, everyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I mean, I know job. Ace extraordinarily uh, well. He knows that yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, hazard pay, if you will. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, and in every life, there is that, and and that happens to be one in in our way of life over here, as as uh, in the creative world, especially touring rock and rollers. You know. Did this, David? Did this whole incident at the time that it was really at a, a fever pitch and you were managing it? Did it test your sobriety? Because I know you're very proud, rightfully so, of your sobriety. I know you worked hard on it, but I also know, uh, thankfully, not somebody who's had any issues with sobriety. But I also know that you know when things can get real tense and throw you a curveball, that sometimes the natural feeling is to fall back on some of those old habits. Were you tempted at all, or were you okay in that department? No, I was okay there. I was fine with that. You know, fortunately, I've been very diligent in the, you know, one day at a time approach of that. And, and um, you know, fortunately, that was, 
that part was solid. So I didn't, I didn't feel that, but I mean, look, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, look, I, 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 I went to some therapy. I mean, this isn't something you just sort of deal with on your own and go, ah, I'll get through this and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I mean, as I've done over the years, you know what I mean? It's unfortunately I'm in a, uh, a society and a fellowship that that's you know was there for me you know people supported me not only did the industry and again you know musician buddies um but also you know my recovery community that i'm in i mean they really rallied around me you know they really were there for me um and and thank goodness i had that because um you know it, you know things can get dark pretty quick you know when a bomb goes off like this and um and, you know, so to be able to, you know, to just, you know, be able to kind of fold into that and, and, and uh, you know, let people love on you, you know what I mean? And kind of lift you up and, and help you get through that kind of stuff. So I'm very appreciative of that. I mean, I'm very appreciative of that. And, and certainly, you know, uh, my family as well, you know, that despite the obstacles that, uh, you know, we, we do our best to work through things. Two last things on this, and then we'll move on to to your music. I wanted to. I, I was curious about the. We mentioned this before that uh, people can land wherever they want about how they feel about you in light of all of this. But the illegal aspect of it landed with the person who leaked this video. Are you still? Is there still legal proceedings going on? Is there still legality surrounding this from that end? From you going and getting an attorney? Is that or has that all been resolved? Yeah, it's been resolved. I mean, you know, at some point, um, you know, it, 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 we, we took the steps necessary, walked through that process, and uh, which was necessary to do. And that's all landed. And as of now, that's fine. Okay. And the, the last thing is when Megadeth, and I think this was a pretty eye-opening to a lot of people, when Megadeth uh, which of course is Dave. We we know that uh, when when Dave made the decision to let you go and put out that statement, you said that originally there was going to be a joint statement, but that's not how it all went, and they just said they were cutting your t- uh, ties with you. But one of the things that really jumped out at me in their statement was the the mention. I don't have it right in front of me, but something about a, uh, already existing tensions. Were you aware of that? Were there problems before this that you felt like the ice was getting ready to break again? I did not. (laughs) Um, You know, I I think one of the things, and this probably started 20 years ago, you know, when Megadeth was disbanded in in 2002 and then put back together in 2004, it was very clear in 2004 that it was going to be reframed around Dave, you know, unilaterally 100%, you know, being the boss running the show, you know, gone were the days of sort of the partnership that, you know, the nineties where it was me, Nick, Marty, Dave, you know, kind of this, you know, the, the four horsemen right again, kind of mentality. Maybe that's not the right word to use in this four horsemen, but <laughs> the four, the four, superheroes, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, like th- that, right. that, that day was done. It was not going to be that anymore. And you look, that's where we fell apart in 2004, you know, and I wasn't with the group through those years. Coming back to it in 2010, again, now we're a few years older, a little more, um, I think, kind of maturity on the situation, realizing that, you know, we're better together, um, that even though it's not on paper a partnership, there's a kind of a visual partnership. The optics of it are kind of like, yeah, this looks better as Megadeth with me and Dave together. You know, we're one of those bands that, you know, although Dave is the quarterback and quarterbacks the plays, 
the the overall feeling and likability and I think everything about it just feels better when it's Dave and Dave together because we've been together from the beginning for so many years, you know. Um, and I think that worked really well for the last decade. Um, you know, um, at the same time, you know, Dave and I are grown men, you know, and we, you know, we have opinions and we, we, you know, we're not, it's not the thing where it's just Dave and three side guys when it's me and the band. And, and apparently, uh, that had, they didn't want that anymore. You know, they wanted it to, to not be that. Uh, and I can't speak for them cause I don't know. And, you know, again, I'm not trying to put words in anybody's mouth about that, but that just seemed like, you know, there's been, there's, there's just too much history here and let's just part ways now and, and let Megadeth move forward, uh, on a new day with a, with a, a new, you know, kind of a new marching order. So, and again, rather than fight it, which is what happened 20 years ago, where it's sort of, cause we were dissolving, you know, a partnership at that point. We're not dissolving a partnership. It's like, Hey, we don't want you here. There's the door. Don't, don't come to work on Monday. So it's like, okay, fine. And that's just how I viewed it. And that's how I view it today. It's, it's, I don't have any sour grapes over it. I'm not bitter about it. Um, and, uh, you know, the old thing, you either get bitter, or you get better, you know, and I quite honestly, Eddie, this has been a season of my life to, to get better, you know, and to just, again, slow down, take a look at some things, kind of analyze a lot of things in life. And, um, you know, sometimes it's in our discomfort where we grow the most and you know, you grow when we're comfortable, when everything's going our way. So there are these moments in our lives where, you know, you can ultimately kind of fall upward, you know, if you take the time to analyze it and do the work and go through the, go through the process. And I feel like the last six months that has been what I've been doing uh, pretty much full time, just taking the time to work through all that. And, you know, here we are in, September, now October, you know, with the lucid and these things coming back out, um, you know, feeling good, feeling ready for it. You know, I talked to, you know, I played on the new ministry record that just came out a couple of weeks ago. And Al Jorgensen was a, was a good friend to me and, you know, was there texting with me over this, you know, last few months. And, you know, and that was this was the feeling is like, man, take the time that you need. And when you come back, come back strong, like be ready for it, you know. And I and I, I took that sort of friendly counsel, you know, um, because it's important that we be in consultation with others, that we don't just try to fly solo and do this alone, you know? And so, you know, using the words of Al Jorgensen was like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to kind of peek my head out as, as what, you know, Drew Fortier who plays guitar in the Lucid, you know, was a good friend to me. You know, he really was there side by side with me, walking through this with me. And, um, he was at a convention, I think in, um, Crypticon in Kansas city back in August. And he said, he goes, dude, it's time to come back out. You're, you're good, man. Like your fans are here. They want to see you. They want to engage with you. Um, you know, this, this was never really a thing. Um, and it's, it's been over for, you know, months and it's, it's, it's behind you now and it's, it's okay to come out and, and rock the free world again. So, you know, I had a lot of friends around, you know, um, and yourself included, you know, who were there for me and, you know, just kind of, Hey dude, it's good. Come on out. It's it, let's get going. Let's get rocking. So um, thank yeah. you, Eddie and everybody else who's, you know, who was, who was there for me and you know who you are. <laughs> um, and, you know, thank you for just being there and, and really being a friend for me. I, I, that is one thing I definitely want to give kudos to everyone who was there for me to, to help me through and much appreciated. Uh, we'll take, uh, we have about 15 minutes left to go in the show with David. And I wanted to, 
uh, David, give you the opportunity to talk about what you're doing now musically, because as we referenced in the last 10, 15 years, you were working extraordinarily hard. I know you had your partner, Tom Hazert, and you were out there doing a lot of different things with him, and you'd started a, you had combat records going, you did a couple books, you did a variety of bands, you put out stuff under your name, just Ellison and cover records, you did uh, the band you had with Frank Bello, which I always get that name confused, Altitudes and Attitudes, or <laughs> yeah. which one is it? Well done. Well done. Did I get it right? You got it right. I never do. A and A. Just call it A and A. A and A. It's way easier. So, you know, with with the and now, of course, the Lucid, which we're hearing some of, and it sounds great. Vin Dombrowski from Sponge, who was on my show not long ago, less than a year ago, uh, is your singer. So, so talk about what the focus is now for you as you get back out on the horse musically and get ready to basically start an, I would think, a new phase of your career. For sure, for sure. You know, and a lot of people would ask, oh, are you touring the Lucid? And, and as you know, Eddie, you know, most most of certainly this year, most of 2022 is just reschedules from the last 18 months of COVID. Um, the big tours, certainly the festivals over in Europe, most of this stuff is rescheduled stuff. So things aren't really going to start opening up for, you know, a lot of new opportunities for touring until probably – at least summer, maybe fall next year. Um, but yeah, so it's funny, you know, last year, I always say I had the best pandemic ever <laughs> because um, I, I was, I had so much great stuff that was happening. Um, you know, in, um, you know, we did the Ellison, no cover, <laughs> excuse me, no cover record. Um, we did a uh, cover of a post Malone song. And there's kind of all this good stuff that we were doing. Um and around that same time, uh, Drew Fortier, uh, who was uh, writing these Lucid songs at the time with uh, Mike Heller, who also plays drums in Fear Factory and, and Raven, um, reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to play on a track? And so he sent me over the song that is titled Hair um, uh, from the Lucid record and put bass down. I was like, that's really cool. That was kind of fun in like a cheap trick kind of way. Um, not in a non-heavy metal kind of way. It was fun to play bass to that. And he said, hey, do you want to play in some more? So finally, you know, eventually I, I just drove over to L.A. and got together with uh, Mike Keller, who is not only a fantastic drummer, but a great producer. And we got together for a couple of days. Vin flew out, Drew was there. And we were all in a room together, making, you know, working on putting you know, the bass tracks down and, and building this record. And, and, you know, the record was something that... Um, we kind of worked on pretty much through the end of the year. I think we had it mixed by earlier 2021. And, um, you know, we had said October 12th is the downbeat for the Dwellers movie to come out. And we said, look, why don't we just same week, we'll call October 15th the release for the Lucid record. And so we stayed the course with that. Um, and, um, you know, that's, that's really where, where it went. And, it, you know, you know what, it's kind of a very eclectic group of guys because, Drew has played in a handful of different things with uh, guys from Kick Tracy, Bang Tango for a minute, as well as he filmed a Bang Tango documentary that came out. Um, Mike, you know, Mike, like I just said, with, uh, you know, mostly kind of a metal, metal pedigree. And then Vin, you know, I mean, who doesn't love Vin? I mean, the guy, Sponge, like pretty much owned active rock radio in the 90s. And was like a band, I think a band that a lot of us were going to. I mean, I remember Megadeth Records that we were competing for that, and you know how competitive the top 10, the top five, and then that number one position is. 
And, um, you know, in the 90s, it was Sponge, a new band called Creed, um, you know, uh, you know, the new Godsmack record, Disturbed, you know, you, you know the, the, the lay of the land back then. Sure. And Vin was there, you know, he was there in the mix. So to be in a band with him and to work just creatively with him is super fun. Um, we call him our rock and roll beat poet because he writes these lyrics that are very, very non-typical of what I would have probably done in, in most of my kind of hard rock metal career. Um, so this has been a fun one. And really kind of a fun way to come back out online again, just kind of, you know, come come back out rocking and working again. Um, but something, you know, different, you know, not just, um, you know, I don't, I always said, I, I don't need to make records to compete with Megadeth. Like we were, are, you know, still are, but I, when I was there, you know, one of the, you know, one of the, look, the big four, you know, one of the greatest thrash heavy metal bands ever, you know, that, that, that's, we, we got to create that. And, so I don't need another one. You know, I don't need to have Megadeth part two. I, I prefer doing things that are out of that sort of metal and thrash world. It, it, it's fun to step out of that for a while. And you've done that. You've done that over the years. I mean, you, there's been a lot of diversity in the different stuff you've put out. So so do, where do you want to go now musically? Megadeth is once again not a thing for you. You've got the Lucid, which is out now. The I imagine at some point you'll reconnect with Frank and do more with A&A. You know, there were a number of people that were wondering now without you being in Megadeth, if there's a chance that you would reconnect with KK. His records just came out, the KK's Priest stuff, which for people that forget, you were the guy that kind of was orchestrating that before this even evolved into what it is. Now, I know KK saw an interview. He was asked about it recently, and he was on with me a week or two ago, and he said, obviously, at the time, that it was you you were in Megadeth and he already moved on with another bass player but there there's a bunch of different things out there i guess where i'm going is do you want to continue to be the guy that puts out a variety of all different stuff like you had been doing or would your focus be to hone in on one thing and just stick with that or or would you even be up for joining an established band yes to all the above <laughs> i think that's you know, I think it's kind of the beauty of this um, is, you know, and I've, I've got some friends around me that, you know, just remind me, it's like, David, you can do whatever you want now. You know, you can, you can, you don't have to just sort of do this one thing anymore. Um, and it is a weird moment when that happens. You're like, oh my God, you're sort of standing out in the, you know, the wilderness going, all right, well now where do I go? <laughs> Which direction do I go? But, you know, it's, it's, I've learned over the years, always have a couple aces up your sleeve, you know? Um, and, um, and I guess I learned that 20 years ago when Megadeth disbanded. It was because I, that was the moment I sat there and went, Oh my God, what do I do? Like, who am I? What do I do? Cause all of my identity, my income, everything was wrapped up only in that one band. And quite honestly, Eddie, over the last 20 years, I've learned to diversify, you know, I don't make my money only from music anymore. I have other, you know, income streams and, and that has helped. I mean, that has really helped give ballast to this stuff. Um, you know, it's funny, the day I came back to Megadeth, it was February of 2010, I happened to see uh, the singer of F5, Dale Steele. I happened to see him that night, and I said, hey, did you hear that I you know, rejoined Megadeth today? And he said to me, he said, he goes, good, now get ready for when it ends again, because last time you weren't. You weren't prepared for that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and he, wasn't, he wasn't saying any disrespect to Megadeth. He goes, right. come on, dude, it's a rock and roll band. I mean, come on, like, how long is that going to keep going? Right. And I had the same talk with him when he was in F5. We did a tour. We came home. 
uh, lost money like all tours do in the beginning. And, and I just said, Dale, you need to get a job, dude. And you know, Dale's done wonderful. You know, in fact, I just invited him back up on stage when I did a solo show in Phoenix, I invited him up to come and sing and it was fun. He had a great time. You know, he's, he's a great, great artist and uh, singer, but you know, there's that moment that for most people to make a living full time, uh, with just music, it, it's just, that's not a reality. And I'm very blessed that for, again, you know, 40 years or so, I've been able to do that, you know, just be a full-time musician. And I've learned to diversify. You know, it's funny where I kind of learned that from when I was doing that group's uh, Temple of Brutality that was down in Florida, Stat Holland, who at the time was in Wasp. Um, you know, we kind of all started getting into like buying real estate and stuff like that. And, you know, he, he had a great saying, he said, he goes, you don't make your fortune in rock and roll anymore. You make your seed money in rock and roll, and then you go buy houses, and that's where you make your fortune in real estate. And and I got exposed to some guys that were, you know, doing some different things with their rock and roll money, and, and it was it was a great thing. So, you know, again, you can either get bitter or get better, you know, and, and I think this is a, you know, I've learned from the last season of my life. It's like, you know, you just always keep moving forward, man, and you don't you don't need to get bitter about what happened in the past. I mean, rather than being upset that it's over, be glad it ever even happened, you know, and you just take that and, and you keep moving. And, um, and as far as KK, of course, my God, sir, KK, anytime, you know, Ken and I can work together, uh, would be great. And the phone was ringing big time for that. I mean, people around the world were hoping that we would do that. So I, I think there's certainly probably some more that we could do there with that. Yeah. It's just a question of when I know, I mean, when he can tour and, when he can, you know, really get out and work it. I know he's really excited to do so. And now, of course, the record's finally out. So now it's just a question yep. of when he can do it. And and we'll yep. see how that all uh, plays out. Well, David, I got about three, four minutes here before I have to end. But anything you want to say in just closing and wrapping up about everything or anything to the fans, anything you want to put out there? Sure. Well, look, again, to everybody listening and the fans, thank you for your support. I really, really, really appreciate it. I mean, especially going through a little uh, moment that I just did. So I, I really, really appreciate it. And thanks for keeping your eye on the music and keeping the focus on that. And um, and look, one of the reasons I originally reached out to you, I will be at Chiller Theater next week uh, for the first time. Um, and one of the reasons I, I reached you, Eddie, because I know you had done Chiller uh, yeah. a few years back and you were talking about it and actually just as a friend I was like hey how was it you know so I appreciate oh it's you. great it's very close um, to where I nope. live it's just that I won't be home at the time but it's very close to where I live in New yeah. Jersey it's a huge event it happens twice a year and and real quick you're doing these horror things because you did you score a horror movie are you in one what's the connection again or are you just doing them to do because I know they do rock stuff there too so yeah, I produced, yeah, so Drew Fortier wrote and directed and stars in a movie called Dwellers, which is, you know, we describe it as picture, it, it's a found footage movie, so picture Blair Witch meets Chuck, right. and, and, and I asked Drew, I said, should this have a soundtrack? He goes, well, found footage doesn't really have a soundtrack, otherwise it wouldn't be found footage. I was like, okay, <laughs> duh, that makes sense. So uh, I produced it, Drew uh, directed it, I do have a little cameo in it toward the beginning, uh, so there's a little, my little acting debut, um, and, uh, outside of music videos, of course. So there's that. And yeah, that's available everywhere. Amazon prime and everything. Um, and yeah, that is why a big part of why we're out doing some of these horror conventions right now is it's fun to, you know, the horror metal crowd is kind of one and the same, but oh, it's yeah. also fun to come now as a guy bringing something creatively to the table, like, you know, showing up, bringing a film and, 
and um, having these Q&As and these little showcase rooms and stuff like this where they show the film and that. So I don't think they're going to do that at Chiller because it's mostly an autograph show. But um, it'll be great to be back in Jersey and on the East Coast in the New York area and yeah. with the fans and doing that. Yeah, so. weather's great this time of year. Just before we start getting nice and snow, you get in, in, in just under the wire. So uh, Parsippany, oh, New Jersey is where Chiller is. It runs for three days. I've been there many times. I won't be able to be there this year just because of my schedule, but uh, sorry I miss you there. And everybody go and swing by and say hello to David and drop in and see uh, you know see what you can learn about the movie and – See uh, see what's going on there. There's a lot of people, a lot of actors, a lot of musicians, a lot of people that go to Chiller. Hey, listen, I got to wrap up, David, but I appreciate you uh, doing this with me. I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you being so uh, stand-up about everything and open about everything. And I, I'm glad that you're going to get back out there and do some stuff. And everybody check out The Lucid as well, David's new band. That is out and available now as well. Thank you so much, man. You hang in there. The best to you and the family, okay? Great. Thanks so much, Eddie. I appreciate it, man. See you later. Thanks to David Ellison. Appreciate him being so um, uh, open and candid. Check out his new band, The Lucid. Their album is available now. It's Eddie Trunk here on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Next up, Jason Bonham. Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joes, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brandspark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Welcome back. Eddie Trunk here. Jason Bonham joins us now. Again, this interview took place a couple months ago, so the tour that Jason is promoting, the Led Zeppelin Evening, has now concluded. But I'm sure he'll do another leg of it, and there's some other stuff in this worth listening to. Enjoy Jason Bonham, interview number two on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. So this um, is a bit of a revelation here. I had no idea that 
Jason Bonham was in Los Angeles, where I am, and starting the Jason Bonham Led Zeppelin evening tour tonight in Los Angeles at the Greek Theater, where I've never been, and I hear it's amazing, and I'm in L.A. How the hell did it, well, how do I not know? that? What What's going, this is incredible. This is, what do they call this, kismet, Jason? I don't know what they call it. This is what I always say. It's a full moon, and it was meant to be. You and I just saw each other on Catalina Island a week or two ago. And as we were walking out, you said the tour was starting. I said, let's, you know, come on, let's talk about it. And yeah. I was just talking to a friend saying, I've never been to the Greek, and they say it's an amazing place. And I'm, I pull up your dates, and I said, let me see where the tour's starting. And I'm in L.A., and it says it's starting in L.A., and here we are. So I hope if you got a ticket or two for me, I'd love to come see you tonight. Well, I, I know the drummer. So I think you, you'll be you, you'll be in. I mean, uh, I mean, you've I'm sure you've seen us before, though, haven't you, Eddie? Yes, many it times. Was, it's an amazing I, show. You haven't seen us with Mr. Jimmy, though, have you? My Japanese guitar player, which we acquired uh, about well, well, counting COVID. Now he's been with us uh, for almost five years. No, I did yeah. because I saw you play with uh, Foreigner and Whitesnake, and you had oh, him then. I saw I was at that yes. show in Denver. Exactly. Oh, my memories. You see, memories of God. They keep. They just. I. You know. I keep repeating myself. I find it's like since then when we get together <laughs> now, you spend you spend half the day telling the same stories you did when you saw each other last because you feel like you haven't seen anyone for such a long time. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's great, of course. I sneakily did four shows before the Greek because the Greek to me is a very, very special place. And, I, and, when, and if you've never been, you'll see why I always feel it's a special place. Um, I've never, it just always seems to be the, one of the best shows that we, we do when we, we come here. I, I, I feel it's, it's, it's where we kind of started. The first time I came here and played there headlining, it really was, um, I had that feeling of like, you know, you wanted to say down the microphone, you do know we're not Led Zeppelin, don't you? <laughs> because <laughs> the response, and, and especially because you know how we always say that when you're in LA and you play to an LA crowd, sometimes they can be tough because there's usually a lot of musicians out there and a lot of, you know, but uh, it's always been um, one of the best gigs that we could ever do and uh to be back now playing after such a long time oh, it's uh it's a privilege and, a, and an honor no. you know you know what's interesting to me jason is a lot of bands when they start tours they usually start in really small markets to be really off the radar until they work out any kinks you're diving in head first aren't you opening in los angeles tonight yes well you know um if you're gonna go big you know or go home so we decided to, uh, yeah, to make it big. It's, uh, as I say, it's one of the most special places. Uh, it was usually we either start at home uh, in Florida and end in Los Angeles, or we start in Los Angeles and end at home. This tour, we end at home. So at least whatever I accumulate now from here, my wife and I from here to now, we can drop off at the house uh, uh, on Thanksgiving. <laughs> 
You can go to jasonbonham.net to find the full list of dates wherever you're listening to see if Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin Evening, we, we, there was that name change not too long ago, uh, is coming near you. Talk, talk a little bit about that, Jason, that name change, because this used to be called Led Zeppelin Experience. It's now Evening, and that was at the request of the Zeppelin guys themselves, correct? Yes, it was. And, uh, and at the time... Yeah, I was I was a little confused why um, I felt were they were they not happy with me doing it? Were they, um, but no, there was something they're working on, which uh, from the looks of what the news uh, they just I saw on the news the other day, uh, it was possibly something similar to what Pink Floyd have done uh, with the Pink Floyd experience. So I think they wanted the terminology experience. Um, to be able to do something like that, I guess that's that's my uh, my take on it. Because um, they said we're still allowing you to use the name Led Zeppelin, so feel fine. Uh, I said I know. I just need a, another. I've got the license plate. I need something else in the logo. I need another E. So we tried, you know, extravaganza. That didn't sound right. Um, so it became Jason Bond Led Zeppelin Evening, and that's. In a certain way, it was when the, the new guitarist came in, so it was a fresh start, fresh name, and it it hasn't changed. It's got actually the audience is, you know, I haven't lost any fans. There's more people come to the show now than they did before. But can you believe it's 11 years since I started this one-off project? I said I'd do. Ah, that that's amazing. And I've seen it. I've seen it for a long time and I've seen you do it many times. And I've said many times, both to you and publicly, I think it's a phenomenal show. The band is incredible. Your singer is incredible. You still have the same singer. I forget his name. What's yeah. his name again? James Dillon. An unbelievable uh, singer. And who's playing bass? Uh, Dorian Hartsong, who has been with us now. Um, the original bass player was Michael Devon in 2010, who right. got the White Snake call. And I said, listen, you know, I'm probably not going to be doing this, you know, very long. <laughs> Famous last words. You go ahead. It's White Snake. Go on, you know, go, go and do the White Snake gig. So he did. Uh, and he, but he, beforehand, I said, you've got to find me another bass player. So he found me Dorian Hart song. Who actually was in the in the band Powerman? Is it Powerman Three Three Thousand? Um, five Powerman Five Thousand, yeah. Powerman Five Thousand, yes. Without him, it was Three Thousand. It's with him. It's 5, <laughs> um, so, uh, which was, uh, you know, when he showed me those pictures, I went, "I'm thank God you didn't show me those before you actually came down to the gig, because he's the most, you know, relaxed, cool, super calm, um, really knows the stuff." Uh, I mean, he was a drummer, graduated as a drummer at Berkeley, uh, went on into bass. So great musician all round, plays guitar. You know, each one of them from the keyboard player, Alex Howland, who Dorian brought in, uh, can play guitar, you know, basically any other instrument that needs to be played in the show. Because there's one thing to create the live stuff, but it was always an element I thought there's other parts going on there. It'd be nice to hear you know, the, you know, a little bit more like the album's uh, version, sometimes live. So we we do have that help of that extra one person. So um, we don't make him play, um, you know, bass pedals or, well, actually we do in a certain way. On certain songs you have to. Um, but it is a lot of, uh, you know, just 
from the heart. We we are fans. This is what I've learned. I started it off. It was a bit of a story about me and my dad. It turned into really the music of the people and what it meant to them and playing it in a live environment and and choosing the enough of the songs that everyone knows, but also enough of the songs that the real diehard fans want to hear also live that never got played live. Yeah. Now you, along those lines, you had said to me that, uh, that when I saw you in Catalina about a week or so ago, you had said to me that you were going to be changing some things up and you were working some stuff up that you haven't done live in the past. Can you, yeah. uh, not to let any big cat out of the bag, but are there a couple nuggets that maybe you're working up with this band for the first time for this particular show? Um, well, we definitely are, are honoring the, uh, the 50 years of Led Zeppelin IV. Um, very much so. That is a that is a major part in the show. Um, I, I, I think nearly every yeah, I think it's nearly every song is it, from Led Zeppelin Four is in the show. But also, there's some gems from Presence which I think get you know will get get missed that never got played by Zeppelin live. Um, you know, it, it, just some of the even some of the songs from Led Zeppelin Four never got played live. Um, Maybe uh, a couple of times, you know, you've seen me before. I, I stopped doing it for a while. The Levy Breaks was was always a huge song for me, one of my favourites. But it never sounded right if, if John Bonham wasn't playing drums on it. So with the wonders of modern technology, uh, we brought that song back in because it just feels right and I, I get to play drums with my dad again um which we never got to do while he was alive it was always he played my drums or i you know or uh i'd you know be i'd be sat so we didn't play side by side there was never one of his kids at home so um let me ask you this the zeppelin guys you we we talked about you change you altering the name for them a little bit have they ever yeah. come out and seen this has anybody from um, Zeppelin? Has anybody come watched ever watched you do this? Um, as they're in England, uh, most of the time, um, no. But I speak. I, I, funnily, I was when uh, we were in Nashville recording with the Circle, and um, Mr. Plant was in town um, doing press for his Alison Krauss uh, record that they've done together. Uh, we we spoke about it. He said, "Oh, what what do you got going on?" And and before I go any further, I say, I had an amazing week with when I was doing the work with with Sammy in the circle in the studio, and then on the evenings I would go and sit with Robert, just the two of us, or with with my wife, and just go over old stories and laugh and and cry. And lit we haven't had any kind of interaction like that in a very very long time. So. I did bring up the, he said, oh, what are you up to? I said, well, I play with this guy called Sammy Hagar. And he was like, Sammy what? I went, Sammy Hagar. He goes, have I met him? And I went, I think you have on several times. And he goes, oh, okay. And then he goes, and, and? I said, and of course, I, you know, I'll, I'll be doing my other thing. And he goes, don't look at me with those eyes and go, the other thing. You mean, was that thing? <laughs> <laughs> He goes, and from what I hear, a very successful thing, you know. He goes, he goes, well, good on you. Just make sure you do it with honesty and love. 
He goes, because that's nice. how you have to do it. And I said, uh, uh, and it was a very cool moment when I said to him, you know, uh, he was talking about certain albums. And I've never sat and talked, you know, talked Zip songs with him because there's always been people around. And I said, what was your favourite song on this? You know, what about this song? What about that? And he goes, what you have to remember is sometimes some of these songs bring back a time in my life which wasn't great. So, you know, a lot of presents. I was in a wheelchair after almost dying in a car crash um, at the time. He said, so I was, you know, I was in pain. It was, if you think about it, and when you actually think about it now, he actually, I remember being there at Musicland and seeing him being wheeled in because I couldn't do anything for myself. Uh, but I still, you know, we were still going to do a new album. And there I was, you know, in a wheelchair with my leg uh, straight. It was kept out straight. He couldn't even have it bent. And, and he sang the way he did on those songs. Uh, so, you know, God bless him for that. But uh, I think he's, his favourite from... There was two. He said, uh, "Chief for one, he still loves and, and Achilles." He said, "If I ever play somebody something from Led Zeppelin, say uh, if they say what what did you create?" He said, "This is it. Listen to this. This is this is what we had." And uh, so he was very proud of that. So that was a wonderful thing, uh, a wonderful thing to have. So yeah, we we talked about it briefly, and there was never any you know conflict or anything uh, and i do know he does look on the internet and, and watch the the clips and apparently the last time he played the greek uh he played two days later and said uh, anybody see jason uh the other day and then he was like yeah and he goes okay that's how led zeppelin used to sound he goes now you're gonna hear <laughs> yeah so um yeah it was very nice of him yeah, you know, it's interesting you bring up uh, mentioning that you play with Sammy Hagar as well, because as we know, Sammy was actually in there, was he not, along with uh, Steven Tyler and Miles Kennedy when Robert didn't want to do it and, and you guys were kind of knocking around the idea of doing it with another singer or doing a version with another singer. And Sammy was one of the guys that was there, right? Well, I think I think from what the list was, there was a, a – I mean, for me, uh, I know – I threw in um, Miles because I I knew him, and also, but my, my actually my first choice on the whole thing was Chris Cornell, mm. which I, I got uh, told off about and wasn't allowed to mention his name again for some reason. Um, but uh, yeah, but I got you know yeah I was the one that called Miles, which was one of those weird. He goes, well you you make the phone call. And, and the scary part about it was about a month later, I got a call from Robert. And he goes, how's Miles doing? And I was like, what? How does he know? How does he know? <laughs> and I was all like, don't blame me. They told me to do it. You know, you know it was, uh, it's weird when I'm with those guys. It's like, you know, you, you never want to make take sides or anything. Uh, it, it was, and that was what it was like when I rehearsed with them for the for the celebration day uh, concert. It was, you know, uh, when any time it got, you know, that tension in the room of about anything, I was like, "All right, come on, this is it. I've only got one chance at this, so don't start screwing it up for me. So let's just all get along, and it will be fine." 
Yeah. Um, you know, what, what Jason, when, when you talk when you talk about Miles, who's a good friend of mine as well, and, and we've talked, I've talked to him on and off the air about that experience, but I'm curious for you, bringing Miles and suggesting Miles, did that stem from you knowing him from the Rockstar movie? Because you were both in that, even though he was a quick cameo in there. Did you guys first meet back then when you did that movie? I mean, we met briefly back then, but... Um... Um, as you said, my love for Chris Cornell, uh, when you listen to the first track on the first Alterbridge album, you'll see where I was coming from. Um, it was very Cornell-esque, um, mm-hmm. the way his voice was, especially track one, you know, first album they did. Um, that's, that's, that's purely where I went. And then it was like, oh, he goes, we met. And I was like, we did. You have to remember those are my drinking days, Dad. Uh, uh, so it was uh, the movie Rockstar. As much as it's been replayed now, and I get reminded some of them, some of the <laughs> it was some of the fun times. But it was also a time when, literally straight after that movie, I got myself my you know my act together and got sober. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin evening. The tour kicks off in. Los Angeles tonight at the Greek Theater, and dates continue through uh, pretty much the end of November, wrapping up very close to Jason's home in Hollywood, Florida. Again, you can go to the website, jasonbonham.net. That's where all your information, ticket information, venues, dates are all listed wherever you're listening. I can tell you firsthand, I've seen Jason do this many times. It is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Jason, let me ask you about the Zeppelin doc. I'm assuming you've seen it, the documentary that's coming. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually, I was supposed to see it last week while we were rehearsing, but we, um, we went late. So um, I, I have actually arranged, I'm meeting the, the team that did it this evening. They're coming to the Greek and, and I will be seeing it tomorrow in a, in a, un, un, un for, you know, in a secret location with, with my wife and, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, uh, my mom says, you, you know, take your tissues. Um, she goes, it's, it's, it's very, very well done. So I'm looking forward to that. Do the, the people that I have heard from that have seen it have said the same, that it's incredibly well done. And I, for one, cannot wait to see it like everybody else. I, I not only do I love Zeppelin, but I love any sort of music documentaries. But the thing I heard about it that I really, really hope there's a part two somewhere down the line is that it ends at Zeppelin two. So there's a lot that's not there. And I know you can't make these things run forever, but I'm really hoping that there's a second part to go from two till the end. Yeah. I mean, so you mean there's only, there's only 69. uh, We're only up to 69 then um, in that case, I guess. Because they both, uh, Zip 1 and 2, came out in the same year, correct? Yeah, uh, pretty close. So, I mean, I imagine it ends around 69.70. So, obviously, there's a bunch of records after that that I, I know the first part, the first one hasn't come out, but it would be. And I don't know what sort of footage there is, but I would imagine there's even more as they went forward. But it would be uh, it would be fantastic if they they covered the the other the other part. But I guess the the crux of it is really about the formation of the band more than their ascent. Yes, it's the becoming the, the becoming of Led Zeppelin, which is, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you imagine it was, uh, I think when when I went back to England in the summer to see family and that, once the 
the, you know, once everything was safe, well, safe-ish. Um, I, I talked to my mom briefly about it and she was going through, you know, the, the, the attic of, of reels and, and just didn't know because we didn't have a play, you know, didn't, didn't have the facilities to play certain stuff on, but there was things written on it that said Bombay and, and, um, and Japan and, and, and everything. So who knows, um, who knows what my mom found in, in, in her vault. Uh, Cause I think dad used to sneakily grab a few things when he could because he never got a chance otherwise. Um, so I found test pressings of albums uh, while I was there. A lot of the different awards that he got um, that had been just used for the kids when my when my kids used to go over there as kids we used as karaoke microphones. If you if you looked at it now, you'd go, you can't use the the circus the gold microphone sure microphone circus award from 73 74 and 75 as a karaoke microphone um yes well they were but uh so i put them all back in their boxes and uh and i found a whole bunch of uh some reel to reels so um i look forward to looking through those and seeing what uh, what else is there and two quick things we talked about sammy and again we people everybody just heard you on this very show with Sammy with the the question and answer thing that we did in Catalina and then of course the performances and you've been playing with the circle for a while I always say I was there when that was kind of uh, germinated because it was in Hollywood I remember you jumped up with Sammy at the Hard Rock and you played Pound Cake that was before you actually yeah. joined the band and, and uh, became a member of the circle but how is this whole experience you touched on it a little bit during the Catalina audience question thing but the whole thing of you connecting with sammy on this level and being his guy has been i think a win-win for both of you it seems like it's really been a nice yeah. place to be anchored for you and you get to do some zeppelin stuff and of course his material and and then and and sammy clearly loves having you in the band talk a little bit about being in that band and what your connection and relationship is like with sammy um well my relationship with sammy is um i've if I if you look back at a lot of the bands that I've been in, um, I've kind of always been the youngest guy around. So I do well when I have the the older, you know, fatherly figure or big brother or you know, I don't want to make him too old, big brother. But you know, he is the same age as my dad would be. Um, so it's I do well. Same with Foreigner. There was always Mick was my a mentor and, and kind of very cool to be around. I, I do well when I have older people that I, I look up to and respect um, in, in bands. You know, I'm, I don't like really being the boss. I'm not very good in, in my own thing. I feel too immature and uh, sometimes uh, uh, not, you know, I don't like, don't like being in charge. Um, so it's nice to be just a, a, the drummer, and I can just be, you know, there's no rules for Sam. It's, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's um, a lot of fun. As you can see, we're on stage. I mean, he gives me full reign to to even bust his balls with the mic. He gives me the microphone and we have a whole comedy routine. It's, um, I mean, it is what you see is what you get with us. We, we have such a laugh. 
he's not afraid to go out there and let, let's try something. And if it falls apart, we just stop and go, oh, well, maybe next time we'll learn that one. Um, so for me, that was, that was tough because I was so used to making sure everything was perfect. And I would get kind of very moody. And he used to be the one that would come out and look, come across to me and go, hey, you're very lucky to do this. You're very lucky to travel the way you do. Be be grateful. Don't stop stop worrying about those little things. It'll ruin the whole thing for you. And it was very true. I could be very English, if you know what I mean. You know, it could be very cloudy. Even if it's a sunny day, there'll be something wrong. Um, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's that half full glass. is half full or half empty. And Sammy's always half full. So, uh, and most of the time, Mikey's glass is empty, but not because he's in a bad mood, because he drank it. <laughs> exactly. And I know and when this, I just saw, you know, I'm in touch know. with, I'm in touch, you know, Sammy's a dear friend and as is Michael. And I know they are incredibly excited about the record, the, the next record that, that the yeah. circle has made that's coming. I, I imagine you are as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, have you, have you heard any yet? Not yet, no. Michael wanted to play me something the other day, but I haven't didn't have a chance to check it out yet. All right, then. I, I won't say anything other than check your text later. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I, I definitely want and, – and here's the last thing, and I'll let you go. I know you got the gig tonight, and and I appreciate the time. Do you Do you hold out any hope that Zeppelin will ever play again? Do you think there's any scenario, or do you think it's – a total button on that as far as the the fans ever hoping and wondering and wishing for uh, uh, even another show like you did at the O2? Um, I mean, I, I mean, no, I hadn't really thought about it. I haven't thought about that for a long time. Um, I mean, when we did, you know, the hardest thing was I spent so much of my life, Eddie, and I think you know this for, for, for probably and would get it when you're a kid growing up and you've been around Led Zeppelin all your life and then when tragedy happens and then when then you get hired as the drummer with Robert to do the, I did all the pre-work on his first two solo albums. Then Jimmy took me out and I played on his only real solo album other than his uh, soundtracks. Went on tour with him uh, in 88 um, you know, and then when they actually got back together with Page and Plan, that devastated me. That devastated me that they got, you know, um, Michael in to play drums. Um, that wasn't a good time for me. Um, I don't know why. It was just having to explain myself to people. Like, why didn't they get you? Aren't you good enough? You know, and, and, and I I had a good conversation with Robert about that many years later. I said that was a really tough time for me to understand. And and we had a really good heart to heart and, and he had a very good reason of why it was uh, they did what they did. Um, but then, you know, to, to get a chance to, to, to do it again in 2007, the way we did it, have all that time to rehearse, to be around, to be around them, was um, was very special. Um, I mean, I had performances for me. 
just acoustic performances while they were sat on a couch where they would play tangerine or go into California with nobody else in the room other than myself. I feel very blessed to have been around that and around them. And there was a lot of talk about possibly going on. Um, but at least we got to do it or I got to do it one more time in, in an environment where it was done really well. And, uh, and I think everyone that's seen it, you know, I always say if opening night was like that, what would it be like after we did 20 shows, you know, um, it would have been on fire. I mean, now, since then, I've probably done 150 shows playing that music. So I know I'd be better. Um, but no, I, I let it go. Um, that's up to the gods. But um, I'm just uh, glad to be out back working again and playing. And, and as I said, a new album with Sammy Hagen Circle. I can't wait for everyone to hear that. Dave Cobb did an amazing job producing that. Um, and Vance Powell of Engineering. Um, who I'd worked with uh, uh, back in the day with, with uh, California Breed, with Glenn and Andrew Watts. Um, so, and also with Caleb Johnson, who I went and played on an album with. So that's the sound of the album is amazing also, as well as the songs. Um, and I get to do this. You know, I, I have the best of both worlds, if uh, with the Van Halen pun there, I do. That yeah. is my theme yeah. song. I have the best of both worlds. Um, Sammy's very gracious to let me do, uh, to do my own thing uh, when when I do. And then, you know, I get to be the drummer again and have a laugh and uh, with the boys and play some amazing music. You know, Alex Van Halen is a phenomenal drummer and still, probably still is if he, if he wanted to play now. Um you know, so to me, to, to get a chance to even play, you know, I'm very fortunate. You know, drummers, when we go in other people's bands, we're fortunate. We get to play some amazing music, you know. Sometimes some drummers aren't so fortunate. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I do well in a rush thing, you know. A rush is never <laughs> my, wasn't my, I think I, uh, yeah, it wasn't my vibe, but um, I would have a go. I'd give it everything, at least, at least one song, at least. Um but you know what I mean? I'm very fortunate to get, I get to play some amazing music. Somebody put it great the other day in an interview. They said, you got to play with the best British rock band, you know, one of the biggest fans in the world from England. And you're also playing with two guys that are probably from the biggest American rock band, Van Halen. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's, yeah, that's not a bad thing to have on your resume. So, no, um, no, and and to, to, <laughs> when you talk when you talk about playing great music, I mean nobody laid the groundwork more than your dad, and the fact that you get out there and celebrate it and do, do such justice to it with this band, I think it's awesome, and I'm glad you're doing it again. And it all kicks off tonight, Greek Theater here in Los Angeles, JasonBonham.net. Go to the site; you'll see all the dates. It goes to. Uh, Laughlin, Nevada, Indio, California, San Diego, and the dates just go from there, wrapping up, as I mentioned, uh, around around Thanksgiving in Hollywood, Florida. So be sure to check out a date and do not miss this show. The band is incredible. The set list, I mean, look, he's playing Led Zeppelin. How could it not be great? Everything he plays. So you're going to have a blast if you go out to one of these dates. Hey, man, I'll text you, but I, I absolutely want to see you later. I am, I'm, I can't believe this worked out like this, and I, I am so psyched that I get to see the first night of the tour. So I'll text you in a bit, and I look forward to seeing you later at the, at the show. Yeah, and uh, and remember to go to the bathroom before because it's two hours and thirty minutes. 
And I see on the website, I see on the website a seven o'clock start time. Is that is there an opening act, or do you really start at seven? As I said, the two hours thirty minutes. That's if I and that's if I don't talk. <laughs> so, that's probably so it's why a seven it's seven, seven o'clock, o'clock. Yeah. it's a real time so yeah it's a long show all right cool everybody be sure to get there early so you don't want to you don't want to miss anything seven o'clock start time on these shows as jason jason just said almost a a three-hour show of zeppelin it's it's i've seen it it's awesome i can't wait to see it again all right man thank you so much for the time good luck on the tour and i'll see you tomorrow i'll see you later on at the greek Great. Thanks, Eddie. I look forward to seeing you again. It's always a pleasure. Thanks to Jason. Always great to visit with him. Be sure to follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, fan page on Facebook. EddieTrunk.com is the website. And be sure to listen to Trunk Nation every day, Monday through Friday, for nothing but rock talk and interviews, 2 to 4 Eastern, 10 to midnight Eastern, on Sirius XM Channel 106 volume, or anything you want, anytime you want, on the Sirius XM app. Join me next Thursday for another all-new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Next week, I'll bring you interviews with Ingve Malmsteen and Vernon Reed and Corey Glover of Living Color. That's next week. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for listening. Spread the word. And catch you then. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.